Good morning, Trinity Lions Church. Glad that you could tune in with us this morning on Facebook and YouTube and join us for this Palm Sunday service. And the one thing that I'm really kind of sad about, though, is the fact that you all cannot be here with me in this room this morning. Just because of the precautions and things that we're taking here, and we just see it's wise to do that, and it's just something that we need to do. But, man, I tell you, we miss having you here, but we are so thankful and glad that you're able to be here with us through the video technology and those you visiting as well. We're glad you're here. And I just want to take a moment here to just let you know that it kind of looks like we're going to continue to do this through the month of April and continue to worship the Lord in spirit and truth uh, from our various homes and things. And so just keep watching your emails and, and uh, uh, other media for information and things about our worship services coming up. And so that's all going to be coming. Um, just want, all I want to remind you as well that uh, all of our activities here on the campus are still suspended and we'll continue to communicate with you through uh, email and ma primarily MailChimp. If you're not on that list, you need to get us that information so we can get you on MailChimp because that's the primary way we're sending out what's happening here at Trinity Alliance um, in, the, in the coming weeks. Uh, connection groups have been meeting. They've been using uh, Zoom media. They've been doing it digitally. And so they've all been staying at their various homes and yet meeting across the internet. And we'd like to hear from some of your connection group leaders. And if you've been doing that, shoot us an email about what's been going on there as well. Uh, those of you in connection groups, check with your connection group leader about that and see when they're meeting and how they're doing it. If you're having trouble logging on to Zoom, let us know and we'll help you out with that as well. Um, we also are planning to have a Good Friday service, and we're going to be sending out more information about that. Our denomination is going to be doing a, a nationwide Good Friday service, and there's going to be various times and things for that on Friday night. So be watching uh, your email for instructions about how you can log in and be a part of that Good Friday service coming up here this week. Also, our last sacred space is happening on Saturday night at 6 p.m. on our Facebook group page. So make sure you log into that. And if you haven't been invited into that, just let us know and we'll get you in on that so you can be a part of that sacred space event as well. Our Easter service we have planned, we're gonna be doing digitally, and we're gonna be having some materials and things for you to pick up, some bags that we're putting together for you, and you can come here to the church and pick them up, most likely on Saturday, and uh, then take them back to your home, and on Sunday morning, we'll be sharing in those things together, some things for the kids, uh, some things for you adults as well, and so be watching for more information about those supplies and things uh, for Easter Sunday. There's other announcements and things that, that I'm gonna just uh, leave for you to check out. You can go to tacreading.info. I think it's right here below me on the screen. And so you can go there and look for uh, the announcements and things that are happening in the church and other information concerning Trinity Alliance Church. So with that, we have a reading that we want to do together. And so we'll all read this uh, passage together that is appropriate for this Palm Sunday. Let's read it together. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let's pray together. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have given us this opportunity to come together and worship you in spirit and truth through this media that, that you have allowed us to have. Lord, even though that we are apart in our, in our different homes, that yet we can still be the church united. That your spirit binds us together, Lord. So bind us together in this time all the more. That, that as, we, as we reflect on what happened on that Sunday so many years ago when you entered Jerusalem, when people were shouting, Hosanna, may our hearts continue to cry, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord, as we journey through this peculiar time in our history. Lord, we, we pray that you would just continue to give us peace, that you would continue to give us patience through all this, you would give us wisdom on how we ought to conduct ourselves. Lord, that, that all that, that goes on throughout this coming week would be that that would we'd be looking for opportunities to share your love and grace and not see it as a liability, Lord. I pray for this morning. Pray that you give our worship team uh, uh, just a, a special empowerment and insight to lead us in worship as never before. For Pastor Sean, as he shares a message for us, Lord, that just all that we, that we go through here this morning would bring you glory and honor and praise the highest. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's sing together.
Nice. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. Welcome, church. It is great to once again be with you in your living rooms. Here's the amazing thing about this uh, whole digital world that we're in, this, this uh, uh, video uh, coming across uh, into your living rooms. It just struck me this week that uh, normally, you know, we see the church as the place where we come for worship, right? And we all know that Christianity is not just a building, but, uh, you know, we oftentimes you know, think about the spirit moving when we're all gathered together in like our, you know, in this church, in this place, right? Uh, but the reality is, is because of this changes in the isolation that we're in and the fact that we have to do church this way is that the Holy Spirit is now coming into your living rooms and washing through you in those spaces. Those places which normally maybe for some of us has just kind of been everyday life, right? Or just kind of the things that we normally do, right? They've all of a sudden on Sunday mornings have become a sacred space, a place where the Holy Spirit is dwelling and we are worshiping him in that space. Now again, we know that God is everywhere and he's always there whether we recognize it or not. But the cool thing about doing our church services this way, our worship service this way, is that now we are kinda in, we, we're seeing our living rooms maybe in a different light than we've ever seen before. Now, this is Palm Sunday, right? And always a fun time. This Easter week, and I'm super disappointed that we can't be meeting all together in person physically, but you know, we're gonna make the best of it as you know, we can in this situation. And so, it's Palm Sunday. We're, we've got a little skit for you we're gonna do in a minute, but I just wanted to remind you of the word uh, Hosanna and what that means. Now, that's a Hebrew. In Hebrew, that word is Hoshi'ana, which means save us now. Save us now. I think we all can be thinking that word because and recognizing the importance of that word in a time right now. We need Jesus to save us right now. Hosanna. Amen? All right. Let's have a little skit from the Fantastic Four. We're going to continue on in worship. 
this morning. And uh, Hosanna, God who saves us. Our God who saves us in his unfailing love that he would bear the cross for our sins, that he would lay down his life so that we could be set free. Worthy, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the king, all hail to the king, Hosanna who conquered the grave. That's what we're singing this morning, that worthy is he, that he gave us that amazing, amazing grace that we may have the hope and life everlasting. Amen. So let's sing this morning. the power of sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory the king above all kings who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder the king of glory the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan our son and daughter? The King of glory, the King of glory. Who rules the nations with truth and justice? the sun in all of its brilliance, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace, this is unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my sing for all that you've done for me worthy is the lamb who was slain worthy is the king who conquered the grave worthy is the lamb who was slain worthy is the king who conquered the grave Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. 
you've done for me. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Hallelujah. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. I sing for all that you've done for me. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me.
Jesus, you died on that old, beautiful, rugged cross for our sins. I just want to lift up Pastor Sean and just our whole church during this time. Give us peace that passes all understanding. Please just lift up Pastor Sean when he's preaching this beautiful sermon. Our church and everybody around us. In Jesus' name, amen. It's pack your own preaching stand to work day. My personal favorite day. Oh, God is good. <laughs> God is good. You know, it's uh, amazing, the, the power of a word. We uh, talked a little bit earlier about Hosanna and the meaning of that word, uh, uh, save us now. Uh, but just that single word, it means so much, right? It has so much in it. Um, there's other words in uh, our language as well that it seems have, you know, just they, they elicit so many emotions and so many thoughts and so many things go through your head that you're just like, wow, that word is packed full of stuff, right? And, and touchdown, right? I mean, that's, that's a word that is just packed with all kinds of just good feelings and excitement about the Seahawks winning again. You guys were talking about how I haven't mentioned Seahawks in a while. There you go. You're welcome. So um, touchdown, right? A, a home run, right? 
right? Home run is another great word, right? That uh, just elicits these feelings of emotion, right? And excitement. Uh, you know, uh, I love you, love, right? The word love has so much in that word, right? And of course, you know, who, what, how do you define that word and, and what that looks like? But I mean, love is a great word. But then there's some other words that are, you know, a little bit maybe more scary. Cancer. Right, I mean, you hear cancer and it just creates these fears inside of us, right? And there's butterflies start flying, right? And, and no one wants our doctors to say that word, right? It's just a, it's a scary and nasty word that we want to avoid. Currently, coronavirus, right? I mean, the emotions that that word elicits. I mean, this is a brand new word that didn't exist just a few months ago and all of a sudden, boom, now this world, word is across the globe and it creates so much angst in so many of us and it elicits so many emotions of maybe even frustration and anger but also of fear and concern. Words have a lot of meaning in them. How about a word like Shotgun. <laughs> now, you might go, okay, well, shotgun, that's not real. There's not a lot of excitement in that. But the interesting thing about the word shotgun is it just kind of shows the other side of words because words not only, one word can have all of this impact in it, but also sometimes one word can have a lot of different kind of uses, right? I mean, not just definitions, but ways that we would use that word like in our culture, right? Uh, you know, Pastor Bob loves to say 4.3, I think, definitions per word or something like that. Is that right, Pastor Bob? Anyways, so we, uh, but, these, but these words like shotgun, I mean, you can use that word in a lot of different ways, right? I mean, if you're going out to, you know, shoot ducks or something, right? You know, shotgun, you know, hey, give me the shotgun, right? I mean, that's, you know, shotgun, right? I mean, get shotgun. You could even just say the word and people would know what you're talking about, right? You know, you see the bird fly, shotgun, right? Give me that gun so I can shoot the bird, right? Um, yeah, you could also use, you know, shotgun for, you know, other things like, you know, Football, again, <laughs> look at that, uh, shotgun formation in football, right? I mean, you just have to say shotgun when you're watching football and everybody knows, oh, they're in the shotgun. Yeah, that's what that means, right? Quarterbacks, they all, they all know about shotgun, right? Uh, another way to look at shotgun is, well, maybe weddings, right? <laughs> I mean, we, we generally don't want to talk about that kind of a wedding, but, you know, I mean, shotgun, right? Uh, you know, you can, uh, that's part of, you know, the, the meaning of the word shotgun or how it can be used. But the final one is kind of my favorite, and maybe, maybe yours as well, but is, you know, shotgun when you're getting to the car, right? Who's going to be riding in that, you know, front seat, passenger seat, right? I mean, you got to have these rules, right? So uh, maybe your family has these rules as well, right? When you come out to the car, right? When you can actually call shotgun, you know, when is it, you know, I mean, is it when you get off the couch and you're headed to the car or do you have to wait till you get out the door, then you can call shotgun, right? I mean, every, everybody has different rules on that. Uh, I know my dad, he had a best friend and they didn't have to use shotgun, right? And so my dad gets married, his best friend gets married, and they always got shotgun whenever they went out. So the women were in the back seat, you know, where they should be. <laughs> just joking, just joking. It's all right, relax. Anyway, so shotgun, right, is another word that you, uh, you know, another way for we can use this word. Uh, you can even use shotgun, and it could mean all four things at the same time. Think about this, a father who finds out that his daughter just got married to a quarterback and his wife is driving him to go find that guy. 
all four, right? Shotgun, right? You could be, you know, give me the gun, give me the, you know, the seat next to you. My, my daughter just got married. You know, I mean, there's a quarterback, you know, all four of them. It's amazing. So <laughs> these are the amazing things and the power that words have. And Jesus uses the power of words in our passage today. He uses actually just one word. Now, it's translated into English as three words, but it's just one word in Greek. Now, I've told Pastor Bob that I would probably never do this, but I'm going to do it today. He's going to be excited. I'm actually going to use a Greek word in one of my messages. That's right, to telestai. okay? That is, it is finished, okay? That's how we translate it into English. So that's the Greek word, to telestai. And this is what Jesus said on the cross. Let's uh, read the passage quickly. It's just one verse, actually. John chapter 19, verse 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. One word Jesus speaks to Telestai. And yet this word has so many meanings to it that we, I want to take some time to actually flesh that out. But before we do that, I want us to recognize the tone that Jesus is using when he says this word. And in order to emphasize that back, we're going to look at where he kind of says this in Mark. See, the reality is, is John, in the book of John, he's the, John's the only one who records this word. To Telestai. He's the only one. The other three Gospels, they don't mention this in, uh, when Jesus is on the cross. And so I want to go to Mark chapter 15, verses, verse 37, and see how Mark uh, writes this word out. He doesn't use the word, but he, just, he, writes, he describes it a different way. And this is what he says in Mark 15, 37. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. See, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all say that Jesus utters a loud cry, and then John puts in there, it is finished. And I, the reason I point that out is because we need to understand that Jesus, the way that Jesus is saying this word, he's not, he's not like defeated. It's not a, oh, I can't finish the job, bummer on the cross. That's, that's not the tone that he's using. It's also not a, 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 a despairing kind of, oh, I am unable to do it, or oh, I am finished. Oh, they, they got me. <laughs> that's not the way that he is saying this word. He's also not saying this word from a sense of you know, wrath, like you are finished, right? He's not like lashing out at them either. The way he says this word, the tone, is a loud cry. It's a triumphant cry. He's saying, I have finished the work that I've come to do. He says, ah, it is finished. It's excitement, it's, it's joy, it's celebration, it's conquering, it's triumphant. It is finished. That is the tone that he uses. But so, what does this mean, though? How do we use? How they use this word to Telestai two thousand years ago? What did it mean, and how did it come across? Let me look at four different ways that this word was often used at the time. First of all, it was used in a religious context as the un blemished lamb. And what would happen is that the the priest, when it was time for a sacrifice, the Israelite or the Jew would come and bring their lamb to be slaughtered. 
And the priest would look over the lamb to make sure that it was perfect, that it was unblemished. And once he had determined that the lamb indeed was unblemished and perfect, he would say to Telestai, it is finished. And he would take the lamb and take it to be slaughtered. This is Jesus on the cross. This is the imagery that we have in part of this word is that when Jesus was on the cross, he is the perfect sacrifice. He's the perfect lamb. He's the unblemished lamb that's on that cross. And so when he proclaims this word to Telestai, he's saying, look it, I'm the one. I'm the one that's here. I'm the perfect unblemished lamb that's here to die. And that calls out to us to recognize this. See, this is, this is a statement about who Jesus is. And we as Christians need to come to an understanding of who Jesus is. We need to admit that we need a sacrifice. See, oftentimes we can look at you know, ourselves and think, you know, I'm not as bad as this guy, or I'm not as bad as that person, or I'm not bad as this you know, gal over here. And so we can kind of think, you know, I, you know, I never really need a sacrifice. You know, I mean, I'm probably, I'm not that bad. I can still kind of, you know, it's going to be all right. But we need to recognize that we need a sacrifice. We have to admit that we are rebels against God. Admit that we have sin. Admit that we've turned our back on him. Admit that we're sinful people who need a sacrifice. And recognize that Jesus is the only unblemished lamb worthy to be sacrificed for us. The second way uh, or second uh, form that this word would take is in the courts as a debt that has been paid in full. So if you owed a debt of money and and you uh, needed to pay it off, you got a loan or something, you could uh, go and and you'd go to the bank or you'd go to the courts and say, hey, all right, I've I've paid it off. Here's the paperwork that says that I've paid this off. And so the the court person would look at that and they would stamp on on the debt. They would say, it is finished to telestai. It's done. It's paid in full. It's complete. And again, obviously, we've heard this perspective of Jesus on the cross before, that he paid our debt. He he paid it all. He didn't just pay a portion of it. You know, there's not a little bit more for us to do. He paid it all, totally, completely. We need to recognize that this is who Jesus is, that he is the one who paid our debt and admit that we need, first of all, to be saved. Again, because of our pride, oftentimes we think that we can do it. It's all right, I can save myself. You know, I, I don't need anybody else to help me. I can do this. You know, I, I can figure it out. Don't, don't, I don't need you. Don't leave me alone. I mean, some of us are in this spot right now where maybe we're struggling, but we don't want to tell anybody we're struggling. You know, that's all right, I can make it through, and, and you're kind of holding into ourselves, not letting anybody know, or not reaching out. Maybe you're in your home and you have a need, maybe for food or for medicine or for just uh, you know, someone to give a call, but you're not willing to make a phone call and ask for that help. And we need to recognize the need that we have, that we, we can't meet it on our own. We need Jesus. We need what he can offer because we are totally unworthy totally unworthy to be able to pay our own debt. We need his grace. The next way that this word can be used is in a business context. 
So in a business contest, context, the idea is that you know, uh, the worker would have a list of things that he needs to do, and, and once he'd finished all the things on the list, he could go back to his boss and say, look, it's done, it's finished. I've done my job, I've done my task, I've finished my work. And this, of course, applies as well to Jesus. Maybe most famously or most commonly seen of Jesus on the cross, that he's done his work, he's finished the job, he's done it, what he needs to do. Uh, He finished the task that his father had sent him to do and complete. And that is certainly true. Jesus has completed the task, but we need to understand that the task that he's completed is that he has fulfilled the law. For thousands of years, uh, the Israelites have been struggling to try to be obedient to the law, and they kept breaking the law over and over and over again. They could never do it. They could never fully fulfill the law and accomplish all the things that the law was set out for them to do, and then Jesus shows up, and he does it. He completes the work. He fulfills the law. Matthew chapter 5 talks about that, uh, verse 17. But more than that, He is the righteous one for us. I want to read briefly Romans chapter uh, 8, verses 1 to 4. Therefore, there is therefore no no non-condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. See, we need to recognize and admit that we need his rightness. We can oftentimes feel like, you know, that we're, you know, we're pretty good. You know, we can do quite a bit of stuff. And we can think that, you know, we, we don't really need Jesus' righteousness. I've preached several messages on this recently about the, the reality of grace and the reality of, of Jesus' righteousness is why we are accepted. That we can never live a righteous life, even after we become to Christ, even after we have the Holy Spirit, we're still going to make mistakes, we're still going to fail, we're still going to do the wrong thing. And a matter of fact, the only way we can do any good is because of Jesus his empowerment of the Holy Spirit in us. Left to our own devices, we will always fail. And we need to admit that we need his righteousness. We need someone who can fulfill the law for us, but because we can't do it, we never will be able to do it. It's always gonna be focused on Jesus and what he can do for us, what he's done for us. Admitting that we are failures and that we're unable to live righteously So we can trust in Jesus and what he did in his righteousness. The final kind of way that this word was used is also in art. (laughs) Kind of a weird way to think about this, but an artist at the end of painting or completing a sculpture, right? Uh, But back to a painting, the the artist, when he had completed his masterpieces, has completed his painting, he would have, you know, kind of that last stroke of the paintbrush. And then he steps away and he says, to Telestai, it is finished. And, And what this means in this context is that there's no more brush strokes that need to happen. It's perfect the way it is. It's exactly the way it's supposed to be. 
And, and that there was nothing else that we need to add to this picture. There's nothing else to do. You know, if you're, if you're an artist, I've talked to artists, I'm not an artist, but I've talked to artists, and they say oftentimes it's hard to know when a picture is done, right? Or when, uh, you know, an art, art project is done. Because there's always, you, you know, you can see other things. Oh, I can fix this a little bit here, or fix this a little bit here. But when the artist steps back and says, ah, it's a telestai, it is finished, then it's done. There's nothing else to add. There's nothing else to be done. And this is Jesus' work on the cross as well. That when he proclaimed, it is finished on the cross, he was saying there is nothing more to be done. I've done it all. It's perfect. Salvation is perfect. It's perfectly set out for you. It's what I've done for you is perfect. There's nothing else that we can add to it. We recognize in this that Jesus' work is enough that we admit that we need Jesus. Again, so often we can think, well, you know, I'm pretty talented, you know? I mean, Jesus did a pretty good job, but, you know, I probably could build a better church than he did. I mean, really, I mean, he's, he had some flaws, you know, that whole, you know, eat my flesh thing. That was probably not a good idea. I think I could avoid that, and we can, you know, build a bigger church and a better church, right? And this is our tendency, but we need to understand, no, that Jesus did it all, and he is enough. We don't need anything more. We don't need to add anything more to what Jesus did. This is especially in our evangelism. You know, so often we think that, oh, we've got to do it. No, no, Jesus did it. Our job is just to follow Jesus wherever he leads, to join him in what he's doing, because his work is always perfect. See, there's nothing we can add, nothing we can add even to our salvation. It's not, it's not about us, you know, doing the right thing before we come to Christ, right? He is, he is enough. He's done it all. It's perfect. There's no more to be done. All we need to do is accept it. This is the amazing truth of salvation. This is the amazing truth of the cross, that we admit our insignificance. We admit that we need Jesus and that we are going to proclaim his sufficiency, it's not about what I, this is grace. This is, this, this is the, the, the definition of grace. It's not about what I've done. It's about what Jesus has done. It's not about what I could do. It's about what Jesus could do. It's all about Jesus, not about me. Not about my sin. Not about my efforts. Not about my talents. Jesus is enough. All that he's done for us is perfect in every way. The power of one word to tell us die. One word. All of these perspectives in that one word that Jesus proclaims triumphantly on the cross. I think in times like this, we have a tendency to begin to depend on politicians or government officials, begin to depend on doctors, the media to give us the right information, begin to depend on our own ability to understand the situation and the risks that are there, our ability to be able to protect ourselves, our ability to protect others. Times like this, there's a tendency for us to become very, very self-focused, thinking that the answer lies somewhere within. And if not within us, then within humanity. 
that, that someone's going to come up with you know, the hydroxychloride, which is chlorine, which is going to fix this, the, the medication or the vaccine. Our tendency is to, 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 to lean in and, and begin to expect that it's, it's that news conference every day at 2 o'clock with the president, that that's going to give us hope for tomorrow. Our tendency to just be watching maybe news all day long. Or... To be focused just on our own safety and security. But I think we need to once again be reminded that it's all about Jesus. If we do come up with some kind of medical cure or fix for this virus, it's not because humanity is so good. It's because Jesus is so good. If your family uh, somehow avoids this and you don't have any family or friends that are impacted by this virus, it's not because they did a great job of social, I- or social isolation and social distancing because Jesus is good. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't follow some of the advice of our our government officials and our medical field. What I'm saying is that where are we putting our trust? Times like this, when when there's a lot of fear and disruption of our schedules, we we, we begin to kind of go within and try to figure out, we got to fix this, we got to do this, and especially as Americans, right? As Americans, this is is who we are, right? We're always going to rise to the occasion. When it gets really rough, I mean, the world wars, you know, we step up, we make it happen, you know, the the different uh, impacts, you know, 9-11, right? We we stood up, we came came together as Americans, and we we got through that, right? And so there's this sense of American exceptionalism, American, you know, I we can do this, but we can't do it. We need to recognize that. And maybe some of you are beginning to experience some of that depression and that recognition that, oh my gosh, I can't control this. I don't know what's going to happen. Every day I watch the news and I don't feel any better. They're not getting any further along and the numbers keep going up. And so we need to recognize, folks, go back to Jesus. He's the one that's going to, he's the one that has the answers. He's the one that has the cure. Whether you survive this virus in this world or if you end up, it takes your life and you're in the next world, it's all about Jesus. He will give you peace for today. He will give you hope for the day. And he will also take you into all eternity with him no matter what happens in your life in this side of heaven. We need Jesus. Jesus is the only acceptable sacrifice. There's nothing else we can offer that will bring salvation to our souls. It is only Jesus. The sacrifice that he made is the only one that will save us. We have to cling to Jesus. We have to be willing to accept his sacrifice and then offer it up as a sacrifice for us. Jesus is the only satisfactory payment for our sins. There's nothing we can do to pay for our sins other than to give our own life, and that ends in our total destruction. So if we really want to continue to exist, to have that eternal life that we're hoping for, the only one who can pay for the sins, the cost of our sins, the debt that we owe, is Jesus. And so we have to recognize that and accept that Jesus is a satisfactory payment for our sin. Accept that and offer that. Jesus is the only one who is righteous. He's the only one who fulfilled the law. 
We can't do it on our own. No matter how good we are, no matter how disciplined we are, no matter how many times you know, we, 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 we get our life in order and try to you know, become pious, and maybe we look really pious on the outside, but what's going on on the inside, right? This is what the whole you know, Sermon on the Mount is about, is that it's not just physical sins we have to worry about on the outside, but what's going on in our minds. Folks, we can't fulfill the law. Jesus is the only one who can. We have to lean into his righteousness and his fulfillment, accept that, and lean into that. And trust that. And Jesus is the only source of hope. The only source of hope that we have. There's nothing we can do to make it better. Nothing we can do. It's only Jesus. Worship team, why don't you come up? And I just want to close with this thought. We talked at the beginning of the service about the word Hosanna. On Palm Sunday, as Jesus is entering Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, the crowds are gathered around and they're worshiping and they're using one word, Hosanna. We already talked about what that means. Save us now. The passion week of the life of Jesus started with one word, Hosanna, save us now. And ended with one word, to Telestai, it is finished. He did it. What the crowds were calling out for Jesus to do, he completed. He finished the work. He saved us. Salvation is found in no one else but Jesus Christ. Church, in this time of disruption, may we first of all return our eyes to Jesus to recognize that he is the answer, that it's all about him. He's the one we have to lean into. He's the one we have to trust. But also, church, when we recognize the amazing goodness of this Jesus that we love who is our Savior. We celebrate the fact that Jesus is our Lord. When we understand that we can't do it, we have nothing to offer, and it's all about Jesus, we get so excited because of the grace that he's poured out into our life, and we recognize we get all these amazing blessings, all these amazing goodness into our life because of Jesus, not because of what we've done. And we celebrate that, but that should also then cause us to share that with others. Don't you think there are people in this world who are leaning on their own strength, who are leaning in the humanity's strength, the doctor's strength, the president's strength, whoever it may be, and hoping and trusting in them. Don't you think they need to have someone who's more trustworthy? Don't you think that they need to be able to experience this amazing grace that Jesus offers? Now's our time, church to rise up once again and look for those opportunities. Interact, make phone calls, talk to your neighbors as you walk by their house, wherever it may be. Get involved in the people in your life and family, friends, whoever it may be. Somehow, some way, make sure they understand that their hope is only found in Jesus because he's the one that's gonna bring them through this. This is what we do, church. This is what it's all about. It's not about whether you feel comfortable doing that. 
It's not about whether you feel capable of doing that. It's not about whether you think this is a good thing to do. It's about what Jesus is doing. It's all about Jesus. He will empower you. He will direct you, have the courage to follow you, follow him because he'll give you that courage as well. And then just open your mouth and see what happens. God is a mighty and awesome God and he is at work in our world. Don't miss what he's doing. Open your eyes. Recognize that it's all about Jesus. All right, let's, let's continue in worship. The life you gave, your body was broken, your love put out, you blessed.
Father, we just uh, thank you so much for your amazing goodness to us. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, who willingly went to the cross. You know, he wasn't dragged there kicking and screaming, right? He, He went there on his own. He made the choice, and no one took his life. He gave his life freely, and he did it all. Lord, it's designed by you that Jesus would be the center point of everything. That everything goes through Jesus. We understand that the Old Testament is only understood fully through Jesus. We understand that the New Testament, obviously, is only understood through Jesus. We understand that time and our lives and everything that we experience is only fully understood through Jesus. Help us, Lord, to recognize this reality in this crisis, in this moment in time, in this season that we are journeying through right now where the temptation is to try to protect ourselves or secure our own, or the temptation is to to try to figure out on our own or to put our faith and trust in humanity. Help us to remember. Help us to turn our eyes back to Jesus. Lord, maybe we need to turn off our TVs for a little while and start just spending more time on our knees. Or maybe we need to stop hoarding so much and keeping everything in and start sharing a little bit more and being more generous. Lord, we want to follow you because you are the one we trust. Not our president, not our government, not the doctors, not our neighbors, and not ourselves. You are the one we trust. Psalm 118, verses 21 and following. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day, this day, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. 
The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Hosanna. And God bless you. Thank you, church. It's great to see you. Continue to hang out for a few more minutes if you'd like, and we can chat. God is good. He's working. May we all get our eyes on Jesus. Take care. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. And through the darkness, your love and kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished. The end is Christ, my living hope. 
Upon a hill far away Stood an old rugged cross The emblem of suffering and shame And I love that old cross Where the dearest and best For a world of lost sinners was slain So I cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a crown Oh, the old rugged cross So despised by the world Has a wondrous attraction Wonderful power in the blood. Come on, let's see. 